one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. It's the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast First show of a brand new week Hi Kieran. Hello there Owen uh, I've got a confession to make straight up Go on I did not say up to watch the golf last night After all my big talk around the NBA Finals last week This mm. time I took a calculated gamble at around 11.30pm To record it and get up at the crack of dawn this morning Well, I don't know Owen I, 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 have, a, I have a thing about you know, watching, watching it at, at the moment, you know, I, in the moment to experience it. I mean, I, I think that... Uh, yeah, but we're talking for, how many... Come on, you're listening out there. Tweet us in at Second Captains if you stayed up till 4 a.m. watching the golf. That's heroic. I think uh, Twitter allows, you know, allows you to engage with other people going through the thing that you're going through. I mean, we were talking about how to stay up late throughout all, the, all yep. these events. I actually think that Twitter helps me to stay up Yes, yeah. Because you because you tweet something, and then the ego takes over, and you think, "Oof, how many retweets is this going to get? Yeah, who's going to interact with this?" And you're you're on edge. That wakes you up. Yeah, Uh, there's a lot of um, uh, yeah ego massaging going on. Uh, That's got to be that's that's got to keep you awake, really, (laughs) hasn't it? I mean, if if nothing, if if uh, top class sporting drama doesn't do it then surely your own insatiable ego must. It is a strange sport to watch. Well, my first challenge this morning was when the alarm went off was uh, to obviously not press snooze too often. Mm. That's always the first challenge uh, for anybody, really. But it was to avoid looking at Twitter and to avoid hearing any message. I kind of knew that McElroy or Lowry hadn't won because there'd be at least one text or WhatsApp or there'd be something there mm. in the in the world to indicate in my tiny little Just open the window, it's like <laughs> looking at Dublin 8 going uh, yeah yes yeah, an Irish golfer won a major been, in the yeah. last four hours uh, but then you start I got down started watching you fast forward through a good bit uh, the ads is great you lose some of that you also lose some of the suspense obviously mm. a, a large part of golf is to is for the suspense to build up uh, I didn't really have time for that because I had to get in here and start talking about it mm. at some stage. But you do get these sudden, sudden jolting shocks. Louis Seussehausen, for example. I, I was looking at him going, what? fast forwarding through, level par, why are they showing him? He's not very charismatic, skip ahead, keep skipping. 
See him again. Why do they keep showing Liu season? That's where oh, skip on. Okay, I'll watch this put on the 18th. And it's what, four under. <laughs> this guy's about to win the tournament. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I came to the realization that about five holes ago that the recording was going to run out of me. I did the math. Oh, There's no way this oh. is going to last. I actually missed Dustin Johnson's final green collapse, hmm. uh, which is now a bit of a pattern, not necessarily on the final green, but these chokes are unfortunately, unfortunately a part of the Dustin Johnson story at this stage. Yeah, well, I mean, if we, when it comes to major victories for Irish golfers, we, you know, history is written by the winners. So you do kind of forget some of the drama that happened to other players <laughs> while Irish guys were storming to victory. Uh, but Dustin Johnson actually led the US Open that Graham McDowell won in 2010 by three shots yeah. and shot an 82. <laughs> like, I'm sure that, that registered with me when I was watching Graham McDowell winning the US Open, but... I have to say, when I was reading it over the weekend, it was like, God, yeah, I had kind of forgotten that. And then um, later that year in the PGA Championship in 2010, he bogeyed the final hole, uh, which got him into a playoff. And then he walked off the course to realise that he was going to be assessed a two-shot penalty for Grandview's club. And yeah. what looked a lot like a pass, but was actually a bunker. Um, and then in the 2011 Open, the Open that Darren Clark won, he was actually storming right back into it uh, it, right back into contention was back actually had it back to just one behind Darren Clark and then double bogeyed the f- par 5 14th and when you're Dustin Johnson par 5s are like a big fat neon side on your scorecard to say eagle or under, birdie yeah please. one under at the, at the worst yeah so I mean uh, it kind of is getting to the stage now when uh, poor old Dustin is never mind the questions everyone else is asking about Dustin Johnson on the back nine of a Sunday or on the first tee of a Sunday of a major uh, Dustin is asking plenty of questions himself I'm sure we'll get on to that in a minute Owen Kelly described his ex-teammate John O'Dwyer last week as the most skillful player he's played with which is saying quite a lot uh, the reason for that Murph his wrists he's a pair of wrists bigger than their legs as in the rest of the players mm. that's where the power comes from wow because I actually heard Paul Casey being described Paul Casey's forearms being described as bigger than your legs by uh, by one of the Sky Sports golf commentators over the weekend. So this is obviously a thing. You hear I mean, about wrist, you, yeah, you do hear about wristy hurling quite a lot, but I yeah. always thought that just meant that there was uh, great dexterity in the wrist. I didn't realise it was just about pure, pure massive, power. huge... Chris, ringy, wrist. of course. Christy Ring. Big wrists? Huge wrists. For Gigantic wrists. No, no, just by any standards. By human evolutionary standards, Christy Ring had gigantic wrists, by all accounts. Mm-hmm. By all accounts, so... Um, Bubbles is in exalted company there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the normal wristed Owen Kelly on today to talk about big wins. You for have quite puny... Do you have puny wrists? Um, a puny upper body and arm. Okay, so sorry, the wrists general. are just of a piece. Yeah, they're sorry. totally yeah. in proportion. Yeah, okay. Which is what sorry. it's all about, proportionality. I'm on the verge of getting mega excited, <laughs> Murph. Mega excited. Andy Lee has announced that his world title defence against Billy Joe Saunders is going to take place on September 19th in Toman Park in Limerick. Now, he's floated this for a while, but to be honest... I didn't see it happening, largely because Frank Warren's involved in the Saunders side. Warren wanted the fight to be in the UK, and he usually gets what he wants in these in this part of the world anyway. Uh, the reason I say I'm only on the verge of getting mega excited, I can see you looking quizzically at me. Why only on the verge? There's a but coming here, because that's well, pretty exciting. But nobody has spoken publicly, as we record anyway, to Frank Warren about all this. Andy's confirmed it. Andy's manager, Adam Booth, has confirmed it. Billy Joe Saunders has confirmed it. But we're just going to check with Frank Warren on the programme to make sure everything is signed and sealed before we go into total mm. overdrive here because it's a fight I want to happen 
in Ireland. And in, in Limerick is absolutely perfect. I, I, I'm from Dublin, if I'm a dub. Mm. But uh, I, even I would say that Andy Lee, this fight should take place in Tone Park. It's an epic sporting event written all over that. Yeah, it will be. Um, and it's, uh, it's part of a pretty big weekend as well um, because the Ireland football final is on uh, the day after. Uh, Ireland are, playing, are opening their Rugby World Cup campaign against Canada uh, a couple of hours before that, a half two. Uh, on that Saturday and Chelsea Arsenal is going to be played at some stage over yep. that weekend as well so um, yes but Andy Lee the centrepiece d- reminds one rather of uh, Bernard Dunn's world title fight uh, that was about four hours before or after Ireland had won the Grand Slam in uh, Cardiff yeah. so, that was um, a hell of a day uh, yeah if we can keep the positive vibes going in uh, along similar lines to that day, that would be just fine. Dave Hannigan was able to watch the golf at a reasonable time of the evening in the US and joins us now. Dave, the drama, the final day. I don't know, do you feel that it took over from the wretched state of the course as the main narrative for the weekend or is that wishful thinking? No, I think it did. I mean, look look at the quality of the leaderboard on Sunday. I mean, the quality of the drama too, but look at the players that were involved. You know, you had Spieth, uh, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, obviously he faded, Rory making a charge, Adam Scott making a charge. You know, these are box office players. These are, these are players that at the start of any major tournament you hope will be involved in the shake-up. So it was both like the dramatis persona, if you like, uh, of the final day. And then, as, as you say, the way it played out, the denouement of the tournament, you couldn't have scripted it. And I think certainly a lot of the moaning and whinging and complaining was forgotten about because people were in by what happened on the back nine. Was Dustin Johnson's three put one of the great chokes of American sport, do you think? I think so, and and you know, I think given that his he how close he's come in majors in the past, you know, I, I think this is gonna be a huge problem for him. He's turning thirty one, he's he could have four majors on his on his resume by now. He has you know, obviously off the field issues that he's he's had to address. So you'd wonder, you know, you wonder is he ever going to get a chance as good as as, as good as that? Especially with Spieth at 21, two majors, Rory with four majors, and you'd hope the two of them shaping up for a rivalry for the ages, if you like, for the next few years. Yeah, and the the thing about Dustin, I, I suppose that that will really haunt him is, as you say, the fact that he's been in this situation before, and it nearly becomes a self fulfilling prophecy that. Uh, the last thing he wants nearly is to be in the last uh, group of a, of a major and people will start patronising patronizing him by saying maybe that the only way he's ever going to win a major is to launch a charge like Rory uh, did and Adam Scott did to a lesser extent yesterday and you know before the, the leaders have even teed off that he would post a score in the leaderboard that, that might end up winning him a major but when it comes down to him actually going out and winning one he might never be able to do it after this. No, I, I I'd agree with that. I think you know it's it's exactly as you as you scripted it. You know, post post the score in the clubhouse and hope people falter on the way in because you know I mean I'm, you're wondering what his mindset was standing over that putt. Does he lag it close and go for the 18 hole playoff today, or does he go for it, which he obviously did, and then leave himself this killer putt, especially when his putting was so bad all day. I mean, his well, certainly on the back nine, his putting left let him down, and you know he was almost putting himself in a position to fail if like um, because I mean Tita Green he is such a fantastic player and he had set himself up so well on that on that 18 green he looks like a cool customer though even as he's imploding this is what I like about uh, the way Dustin Johnson carries himself he just goes through the implosion without uh, without it looking like it's really registering well, well I, I thought the great thing about yesterday was you had so many different characters and so many different personalities 
in play. Uh, you know, Dustin Johnson is the bad boy of the tour. If there is such a thing, you know, um, alleged drug use leading to suspensions, alleged infidelities with other players' wives, and now he's back on the course where he really is one of the best players uh, on the tour on any given day, and he's going for his major. Then you have Speed, the all-American boy, the wholesome down-home kid that they, you know, the media are going to build up and build up. And then you have the outsiders. You know, I mean, the big thing for Fox, of course, was if who were broadcasting it here in the states. If if Oosthuizen won, that would have been a disaster for for the narratives that they were pushing. Do you think that there would be the PGA Tour, if we forget about media for a second, would be a little bit happier to see Speed win than Dustin Johnson, given that if and when Johnson does maybe get over the the hoodoo and start winning these things, the, all those questions start rising again. And whatever about the infidelities, that's nothing to do with them, but certainly the, or the alleged infidelities, but the alleged drug use definitely is. They've, oh, they've denied that he was actually suspended that time for six months, but they weren't necessarily wholly convincing in doing so. Uh, is Spieth more their kind of guy? Well, unquestionably, Spieth is is the marketable, more marketable guy. He's 21. He's almost too good to be true in terms of the way he handles himself on the course and off the course. This is a guy who, when he has a big deal with Under Armour, uh, the sportswear company, and when they first sent him a selection of clothes, he sent them back because they were too loud. He wanted a lot of blues and greys in his wardrobe. You know, he didn't want to draw attention to himself. And this is what they want. This is what they want. Box office. Yeah, but this is box. This is what they they would consider box office, I guess, the people in yeah, the PGA exactly, Tour. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, look look at their attitude to the drug thing. They will not confirm or deny whether anybody has ever been suspended any time for anything. That's that's basically their policy to, you know, people bending the rules or breaking the rules. But Spieth, what I mean by that is, look, what sells in America? This wholesome image of this kid, um, you know, the golden child is his nickname. And he really is, you know, to the manner born. This guy, we've heard so much of, you know, I've been living here 50 years, I could reel off the names of all the new Tiger Woods. Uh, Charles Howell III, you don't hear so much from him anymore. <laughs> Ricky Fowler, if I hear once more that Ricky Fowler is going to be the man, you know, with all due respect, he may yet be, but I'm sick of hearing about it. But this guy's come along, he's won two majors, he's 21 years old, he conducts himself fantastically on and off the course. You know, when, when they, it comes to selling golf, that's what they want to sell. They're not going to sell, hey, here's Dustin, he may or may not sleep with people's wives. He may or may not take recreational and uh, performance-enhancing drugs. No, they want to market the, the you know, the all-American apple pie, if you like. Yeah, golf is literally the only sport in the world where you're not going to push Dustin Johnson. You're going to push the really boring guy. But I mean, that's that's it. That's it, I suppose, isn't it? That's exactly it. And you know, I mean, what I will say about Spieth though is this: is you know, uh, one of his. His coach actually came out afterwards and said he has this bulletproof self-image and that really helps him, you know, when things go wrong, as they did on the 17th there when he double bogeyed and looked to have blown it. And then he comes back to birdie the 18th. But what I will say, you know, over the next few weeks, he is going to endure hype on a scale that I don't think we'll have seen since the Tiger years. And just to give you an idea of what's in store for him, I immediately talked back last night to last August after, after um, Rory's win, Sports Illustrated had the cover of Sports Illustrated was the Masters Preview 2015, <laughs> Rory's Moment. And, you know, eight months before the Masters, they were basically anointing Rory, the Masters 2015 champion. And that was eight months before the Masters. So with a couple of weeks to go before St. Andrews, 
I think it's going to be in overdrive. And the fact he's American, too. Look, the American media have been desperate for an American uh, to come along and be a dominant player. And, you know, while they love Rory, there is still some jingoism in the American press and the American media, too. So they're going to really, I think, blow this thing up uh, as, he heads to, as he heads to St. Andrews in a way that everything so far suggests he can handle, but he's going to be a special player, a special person, actually, if he can handle this stuff. I'd say a lot of people here at home, Dave, are probably watching it and waiting for... The, Rory McIlroy starts the run and then you're starting to feel guilty about wanting to go to bed at a, a reasonable hour on a Sunday night. He hits that amazing birdie at 13 and celebrates uh, really vociferously. After that, it ebbed away. He missed a putting, I think it was the following green, and he kind of died a little bit after that. But even the fact that McIlroy made that run, do you think that might have lit a little bit of a fire under the other one, set the day up? There's no question that, that he did because, I mean, when he was at two under and he made that monster, or made that monster put to go two under and he's got a birdie put on 14 and, you know, everybody is figuring, you know, four or five under is going to win the tournament. If Rory's at three under with a couple to play, you know, anything could happen and, and then nerves, a lot of them were showing nerves. A lot of the leaders who were ahead of him were showing real nerves at that point and his name on the leaderboard, you know, one shot behind them would really, I think, have put the cat among the pigeons. But, you know, on 14, he slipped up and double bogeyed. And I think 14 to 18 were the holes that undid Rory all week. He played them at five or six over cumulatively over the four days. You, you take those holes out. If he plays those holes in even power, he's basically, you know, in, he's in a playoff for, the, for this title. So, you know, those holes were his undoing. But from an Irish point of view, it was fantastic to see him there. I mean, it's great to see Shane Lowry. You know, that's a real... I, I think is a big week for him in terms of his future and you know his status and his standing over here especially although you know being um, I don't know what feed you guys were watching but the Fox feed you know Shane Lowry I think I may have seen him hit six shots all day because they tend to go with you know the storylines that they're going with Yeah Sky seemed to have their own feed so uh, or whatever feed they were using they showed a fair bit of uh, Lowry during that final round it was, it was Fox Sports first ever major I think only their second ever PGA tournament how did they get on? They, I think they were a pretty mixed bag. You know, they're, 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 they had some good stuff. Shane O'Donoghue, the Irish guy, was, was uh, doing a lot of their commentating. Uh, some people might know him from CNN. He did, I thought he did a very good job. They had a couple of guys who were from other sports, from the NFL, who were really floundering in terms of anchoring the coverage. Greg Norman was decent. Uh, Brad Faxon, a very smart uh, articulate guy so they had some they had some good good pundits but like any any sport if you're covering it for the first time you know it's going to be a little bit ropey and again they, i mean they were they were loath to criticize the course and, and again the point about the course which i don't think i think has been made but deserves to be made again is you know whatever you think about what the players were struggling with and ian poles are moaning about anything shouldn't be taken seriously because you know when he wins a major he can come back and moan about the condition of courses in majors but but the spectators on the ground at Chambers Bay were struggling to see the golf because of the way that course was set up. And I don't know, but if I paid 125 bucks to watch a golf tournament, I'm going to be pretty unhappy if I can't actually watch players <laughs> taking swings. I assume they milked Tiger's disastrous rounds for all they were worth before he departed for the weekend. They, they did, but I, 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 this is the one thing I, I will say about this. I felt that this was a kind of a, a post-Tiger tournament 
that they were willing for the first time, and maybe because it was Fox and it wasn't CBS who, who you know, Geneflect and Bow and Tiger Appears, that Fox kind of went with, there are new stars, you know, we have guys here that are, are great players who we can throw out there. We don't have to, you know, I mean, it's seven years since, since Tiger's U.S. Open win um, against Rocco Media in that playoff. I mean, that's a long time ago, you know, in, in a sporting world, a 24-7 sporting world. So Tiger, you know, while very sad, I think it was, you know, Tiger starting to look like Elvis in Vegas, isn't he? I mean, you're looking at it going, I remember Elvis when he had a quiff and was poured into leather pants, and now he's this fat guy in Vegas, just, try, you know, struggling. And, you know, I, I think there's real poignancy to that. All right, Dave, great stuff as always. Thanks a million. Cheers, guys. You should definitely check out Dave's brilliant America at Large column in the Irish Times every Thursday. You're intrigued there, Murph, that the US golfing authorities don't want a bad boy as their top man. If you were in charge of a sport, Dustin Johnson's your kind of guy. Well, I mean... It's allegedly not... sleep with other players' wives. Yeah. Allegedly take a lot of drugs. Yeah. Allegedly. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's not that he's, you know, an absolute silver bullet, brilliant ex- exemplar for your sport. But I'm at the same time, I mean, it's... He he's slightly more interesting than Zach Johnson, is what I'm saying. I mean, if you're if you're ta- if you're telling me you've got to spend an hour in the company of one of Zach Johnson, Brant Snedeker, that's two Brant Snedeker mentions in two shows for me, by the way. No disrespect to Brant Snedeker. No, of course, uh, Zach Johnson, Brant Snedeker, or Dustin Johnson. I'm probably going to say just it could be interesting spending some time with Dustin Johnson. I mean, there's a chance. There's no chance. In the world of being of having an interesting hour with Zach Johnson, I mean, I actually don't think it's possible. I don't think I could spend five entertaining minutes. Bubba Watson? Oh no, good no no. Graham McDowell? Yes, I'm going to go through all the golfers that I know. Well, we should have a rating system: one out of ten. How interested would you be in spending an hour in the company of? I mean, Graham McDowell. J.B. Holmes? No, no, I don't think so. No, but Dustin Johnson ranks highly on my new Murph scale. Uh, the Murph, I don't know, I'm not even going to think of a name of it, to be honest, but you know what I'm talking about. Dustin Johnson, definitely a better bet for me than J.B. Holmes or Brandt or Zach. It doesn't sound like Fox Sports tried anything too revolutionary there with their, their first ever tournament. They did mic up the players, though, quite loudly, uh, certainly more loudly than usual. Here's Jordan Spieth having an in-depth conversation with his golf ball as he hits his approach to the 18. Awesome shot. Yeah, you're right. Awesome shots. Hang on a second. Was that Jordan Speed describing his own shot as awesome? Nah, no, no? I, I think that was uh, the caddy first and then Greg Norman agreeing ah, with okay. the caddy on, <laughs> uh, on commentary. But yeah, I mean, I, it, it is one of the more pointless things in the world to be talking to a golf ball. I mean, <laughs> but hey, you know, that's, that's, that's Jordan. He actually does speak a lot. I mean, he's, he is forever talking to his golf ball. Um, even when he hits a good shot. You know, you be right. And that was right. a good shot, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of a, it's, it, it, it's pointless, but I mean, you can kind of see the, the reason behind it. I mean, What the, is more pointless, Murph? I know yeah. we're, we could be getting into the farcical stage of this conversation about the US Open, but okay. I want to know what's more pointless, talking to your golf ball when it's in mid-flight, yeah. 
or doing that thing that all golfers do where they lean a certain way. As in the ball is gone, there's nothing else that their body can do for the ball, their body yeah. position, but they're leaning right, leaning, leaning, staying silent but leaning. Which is which is more likely, which is less likely to impact on your... Well, I, I would say that the, the leaning is just kind of a more natural thing. I mean, if you're actually talking to a golfer, that's the behaviour of a crazy person, <laughs> yeah. if we're being honest. So I, I would say that the talking is probably more... If you listen closely, you can actually hear the Velcro of the glove coming apart there, by the way. That is great. That's what Fox Sports are paying the big book. That's why people in America are paying Fox Sports, the big books, <laughs> to broadcast their golf tournaments. Second captain's favourite boxer, Andy Lee, came back heroically against Peter Quillen in April. That was his first fight after winning the WBO World Middleweight title against Matt Karaboff. Next up is Billy Joe Saunders. That one has been in the pipeline for ages, really. The only debate was the venue. Saunders wanted to fight at home in the UK. Andy wanted to realise his dream of defending a world title in his hometown of Limerick. We've heard from Andy in his camp that this thing is on for September 19th in Tomlin Park. He announced that over the weekend. Frank Warren manages Saunders and joins us now just to make sure this thing is all going ahead as planned. Frank, Tomlin Park, September 19th. Can you confirm that venue? Um, well, I've been talking to Adam Booth, who obviously looks after Andy, and uh, we're, we're quite close to doing something, but I'm not meeting... Um, with Billy Joe Saunders until tomorrow, late tomorrow. So until he actually puts his pen to paper, puts his signature on the paper, the uh, you know we're not quite there. But you know there's no problem. He has no problem going there to fight him, and I'm quite sure we can at the end of the day get this sorted out. So it sounds like if we're not 100 percent done, we're maybe 90, 99 percent. Would that well, be going too far? Really, I mean, just need Billy. You know, Bill's confirmed. We've just got to sort out a couple of issues and. Uh, I don't think they're, they're problems, but we, we will get one way or another. We will get this sorted out. Okay, and can you reveal what those out, outstanding issues? Or is that too? That's between him too, and I. Too sensitive contractually. Yeah, that's fine. The sense I got all the way along is that Andy and Adam Booth obviously wanted to fight in Limerick, but that uh, Billy Joe Saunders would have preferred it, and maybe you would have preferred it to be in the UK, in London, possibly in Upton Park. Was that the case? Has the has the thinking changed? Uh, well, the reason we wanted it in the UK is we felt because of the the, the, uh, the difference between the uh, pound and the euro, it would have been made more sense to take place in the UK. And I'm quite sure if we go to Upton uh, go to Upton Park, we'd do a great we'd have a great game. But um, Adam has put forward a proposal to us, which we think uh, you know we're, we're quite happy with to, to go with. Um, Bill doesn't care where the fight takes place as long as he gets what he wants to get from it, and more importantly, he gets his opportunity to fight for the title. So reading between the lines, uh, financially, Billy Joe will do quite well out of this, this uh, out of taking the fight to Ireland? Well, I hope he does. You know, he's not an amateur. That's what he's in the business for. It's a fair point. Uh, have, have you had a thought, think about capacity or anything like that for Tolman Park, about what, what potentially the sort, of, uh, the sort of amount of tickets that could be sold there? I think you need to speak to Adam about that because that's he's 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 organising that side of it. Is it a sense? That, are you still ex- are you excited about about the fight taking place in Ireland? Is that, you're definitely clear that you still yeah, want. I, would, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I've done fights in Ireland over the years. We've done that great show at Parky Queen mm-hmm. uh, years ago with uh, Eubanks and uh, Steve Collins, and it was a fabulous fabulous night. Uh, done, you know, we've done quite a few fights in Ireland. Took Nassim Hamid there many years ago, so. You know, I love I love the fights in Ireland. You know, the Irish uh, are great fight fans, and uh, there's always a great atmosphere, and they're very appreciative of the opponents. And um, you know, if the, if the opponent does well, so they're not biased. They like their sport. Well, we're a little bit biased. I'm sure we will be on the night anyway, Frank. But well, it, listen, that's yeah. to be expected, and I hope, I'm sure that they will take into consideration. Uh, you know, that that um, Billy Joe is obviously. Um, 
you know, shows, shows that he is a fighting man and he has no problem going in the other guy's backyard. Um, these guys are two travellers, so it's, there's a lot at stake with this fight. Um, it's a, you know, they, they both come from travelling backgrounds and uh, I think that adds more uh, juice to the fight in as much that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're very proud guys and I'm sure, you know, one of them will want to be king of the travellers. Some fighters do shrink a little bit when they go away from home. They go into a lion's den. It doesn't sound like Saunders is going to be one of those characters. No, he's a fighting man through and through. He doesn't care. You know, he's been on the road. He's got he's got a pedigree of, um, of fighting in the Olympic Games at the age of eighteen. He's fought all over all over as an amateur all over the world. So that certainly won't phase him at all. What's the situation going to be TV wise? You think, Frank? Where will we be watching this one? It will, you'll be watching it on Box Nation. I thought you might say that, all right. Listen, Frank, it's been great to chat to you and uh, we look forward to the, the final confirmation in the next day or so. Thanks a million. Lovely. Anytime you've got my number. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen unanswered punches. Fifteen of them really hurt. On the Irish. Everyone in the house are hurting. I heard all your cheers, and he got me through that fight. Matt Carbone give, was giving me a nightmare, and I found it really hard in there. But anyway, listen, I'm a midway fighter. I'm a champion now. I want to defend my belt in Ireland, and I'll fight the best in the world. Congratulations, Andy. Up the Irish. Give me Hard left hand. Oh. By TKO victory, and now the WBO middleweight champion of the world, Irish Andy Lee. Frank Warren runs Box Nation, by the way, in case you didn't guess from that little exchange mm-hmm. at the end of our, our quick chat there. A couple of points to take from that. I think I can start finally getting totally excited by this, Murph. The fight is on for Tomond. Uh, the reservations I mentioned earlier have been eased, although not totally erased. He did say that the contract hasn't been signed. Mm. I would like to hear... Ideally, I'd like Fox Sports to get involved, get over there, you can, so we could just hear the pen on paper sound really might have <laughs> We know that, that it's being said. And despite being challenger, the other point that I took from that conversation is Billy Joe Saunders is the one who's going to do very well financially out of this deal. That's why he's coming over, at least in part, uh, which is a good move by Andy. I think he took the decision, if you remember, after winning the title, to take the toughest fight out there against Peter Quillen in Quillen's backyard, because in part because it was a huge payday and also because it was massive exposure in the US. This time, he sacrificed a little on the international exposure front and on the financial front to live out the sporting dream. This is what it was all about to defend this title. And I'd say he's backing himself to win the fight as well. Yeah, and I think uh, I think this is a fight that, uh, that Andy Lee can definitely win. And it's still a rigorous examination of his credentials, but a fight he can win and also a fight that's going to capture the imagination of uh, Irish boxing fans in a big, big way and hopefully sell out Thoman Park have an amazing sporting uh, have have an amazing sporting night for himself 
and then set himself up for one or two more big big fights. I think it's I think it's uh, yeah spot on. So what do you say? I want to plan that weekend very intently right now. What do you say the other big events are? Ah uh, well, we'll have to leave Dublin around oh, two uh, around ten a.m. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, get into Limerick. Asher, it's only it's two hours in the motorway. You'll fly down. Yep. Uh, get down there for around midday. Have a little lunch. What about a dare? Do you not always get stuck in a dare? Adair is the far side now. Of course. No, I'm just, no this is just a different conversation. Yeah, of course, if you're coming moment. from yeah. Kerry. Uh, sorry, yeah, for your Kerry, that one's always looking out for you there, uh, Kerry listeners. <laughs> My kingdom friends. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you'll get down to Limerick for around midday, get a bit of, get a bit of lunch, uh, get settled for the rugby at half two, uh, watch the rugby. So that's Chelsea, Ireland Canada. Ireland Canada. Yep. Uh, Ireland, uh, Arsenal Chelsea could be the 5.30 kickoff on Sky Sports, so you could probably Fresh watch that somewhere. And then it's into Tillman Park for uh, the undercard rent. Half seven, eight o'clock. It's a good day. Uh, it is a good day, on a very good day. So um, there's plenty to look forward to. Owen Kelly is ready to talk about a weekend where Kilkenny and Tip announce their intentions for the summer. Two big wins. Owen, if you were, would you be worried if you're from outside either of those two counties? No, I don't think I would be because sometimes look, it's, it's you worry about yourself. You worry about your own team. You know, getting your own guys right. Like and right, you mentioned Tip and Kilkenny. After the weekend, and even after their, their demolition of Dublin, I'd probably put Galway maybe into that category as well. Team that's move, moving very well, and even the likes of a Waterford, they're unbeaten this year. So, you know, Tip and Kilkenny this weekend looked awesome. They ticked all the boxes. Uh, even their physical conditioning is something that probably wasn't mentioned over the weekend. We all know their skill levels and their, um, you know, their tenacity in the tackle and their intensity, but uh, just the condition of the guys, like whether it's the new jerseys that both teams have or whatnot, but they just look like when they get the ball, there's even true tackles and it's giving them the extra three and four steps to even, uh, of freedom to pick out, we'll say, a, a Tipperary man or a Kilkenny man that's in space. Like they're able to look up and pick out their men, like, you know, so, no, but they're definitely after hitting the ground running both those teams you mentioned. Yeah, the big point that you were making when you were talking to us on Thursday was how eager Tipperary were going to be to match Limerick physically. And then last night on the Sunday game, Brendan Cummins described it as an angry uh, Tipperary performance. I think. It's, it was clear to see from, from both of those comments that, that, that Tip were eager to put, put, a, put a marker down physically and obviously that's what we saw yesterday. Definitely. Like, and look, Tipperary had probably two massive games this year. Um, one of them was Kilkenny in the league game. They hadn't they had beaten Kilkenny once in 10. And that day they came with that angry, high-intensity um, game. And I remember Walter Walsh in particular picking himself off the ground, going to the ref after getting a tackle off Carl Barris, a legitimate tackle. No complaining. And two or three other Kilkenny's on the day were the same. And yesterday, Tipperary in the tackle, you know, they brought that intensity to it. Now, they have a lot, a lot of tackling work done, I think, by all accounts inside as well. So, but they brought that to it. But, you know, really their stick work and their ball work was, was awesome yesterday as well. Like, you know, so you know, it was a massive game for Tip going down to Limerick. They did not want to be beaten three years in a row by Limerick in the championship. And um, you know, they brought that they brought that anger to the game yesterday. And when Tipperary play like that, they're very good and very hard to beat. Yeah, a lot was being made of the fact that this is the first win uh, in Munster. It's a surprising enough stat, I guess, under Eamon O'Shea. Was there a little bit of pressure with that? I know Tipper a team that look at all Ireland's, but uh, you got to assume that a Munster title is pretty important for them as well. Oh, definitely. Look, deep down, Eamon maybe didn't allude to it last night in his interviews and that, but deep down, you know, he knew the stats, like, you know, um, because he wanted to get a first uh, championship win in Munster under his belt. He got that now. But more importantly, you avoid the qualifiers and you're into the Munster final and, you know, they're going to be very, very hard to stop against uh, against Water in the Munster final. But I think it was a big motivational factor for not only Eamon, but the team to, to get that win over 
over Limerick and I think the surprising element of it is how emphatically they won like so no I don't think I think Tip were expecting a much closer game but I think they were mentally right for this game going down to Limerick you know You were talking to us last week about uh John O'Dwyer and I think the most naturally gifted herder you'd seen is what you were saying last week Owen so you're you're looking at him to back that up for you this season he started well <laughs> he definitely did yeah. look I even watched it again when I came home just the, the flick across to Seamus Cannon for the first goal when Tipper three points down you know, it just maybe went to con- control it ball was just bobbling ahead and just a one handed flick right into the path of Seamus Cannon like it was it was just class and he just needs to, if he gets the ball in hand 100% of the time he'll make the right decision whether that's a score or even he'd give a stick pass into a guy's hand, more or less. Like so, he's uh, you know he he just he has all the the attributes to go on go on to be one of the you know, one of the top players in the game, and he showed that again uh, yesterday. What are you expecting against Waterford? We've talked quite a lot about their tactical setup this year, and we remember the league semi final between the teams. It, it looks intriguing. Uh, Eamon O'Shea is a man who likes to think a lot about how his forwards operate and how they find space. Derek McGrath is the opposite in some ways in terms of how he's going to set up his defence. Is this one that you're licking your lips about? I am. I am definitely because nine weeks ago, you could say Tip didn't create the space and the movement in the forward line that they like to, like to create. And when they do create it, um, you know they get the scores and they hurl at their best you know but like I think from this morning on I'd say Eamon now will be really gathering up his backroom team who have to take a plot for yesterday's performance as well like Tip were fresh and hungry looking yesterday but I think he'll really look now at maybe trying to shoot a bit outside um, and maybe then draw out the water defence if he can if he's getting scores outside and maybe kill him with one or two sucker punches in of goals because if Tip get one or two chances inside um, they'll score and I think the confidence is there in the team to do that but it's just to, to open it up to get those chances but look Derek McGrath will be happy yesterday we'll say looking at Limerick's performance for the first maybe 8 or 9 minutes in the first half and the first 15 minutes in the second half you could say Limerick dominated that game as well but when they hit their purple patch they didn't put the scores on the board they should have scored maybe 2-5 maybe 2-6 but they got something like was it 1-2 so if you get your purple you have to take your score. So I think Derek will look at those 15 minutes after halftime and the first 10 minutes where Limerick, I thought, were on top and see can he implement that into his Waterford team going forward. So you know, it's going to be intriguing, but Tip will have to break down the, the, the Waterford system of play and no team has broken it down this year so far. Were some of the weaknesses that we've talked about with Limerick evident yesterday, the type of stuff that they, they don't like to hear, maybe. But the, as you said, they did have periods of dominance, but they weren't able, they did, didn't necessarily have the class yesterday to see at home or, or at least to put up the scores that they could then use to withstand the fight back from Tip. Yeah, they didn't just... And I don't think they were moving as well as they were last year. They're definitely not. And the same couple of players who didn't perform in the victory over Clare, didn't perform yesterday for the meter up in the forward line. And with their forward line yesterday, they were completely switched off. Darren Gleeson was able to set up the attacks from the puck out. And the Tiberi defender could even afford to miss the ball, re-rise it again, and then set up the attack. Usually at that, at that heat of the battle, you shouldn't get a second chance. Like So Limerick, were, the forward line was tuned off for Darren Gleeson's puck out. And that allowed Tip then to set up, um, you know, up the field. But I just, it never got physically up on top of Tipperary. Like they just give every Tip player the four or five yards. And if you give any intercounty team four or five yards at this level, you're going to pay for it. I remember looking down the field because I was up in the press box. And you see a great view looking down the pitch and I see two Tip forwards inside the 40 yard line with two Limerick backs and just saying to himself, if a quick ball goes in there, uh, it's going to be goals. And, and that's ultimately what happened. Yeah, and you you had referenced on, on Thursday as well that 
the the sort of size of the physical challenge that Limerick present to you and have presented to you over the years. But at the same time, if they're not one hundred percent dialed in, if they're not, if they don't bring that kind of manic intensity, they are liable to ship big scores, and that's that's what happened yesterday. They are. They didn't bring it, and you know, I mean, like even looking at the warm up there, they had the tackle bags out, like and you were saying, right, this is Limerick really tuned in, but. You know, they got it wrong, I'd say. They looked very flat. Um, they looked like they hadn't maybe discussed Tipperary enough like to be up on top of the tip forwards. And, you know, now, TJ Ryan will probably kick himself today. He, when he look, looks back at it, first 10 minutes, they got it right. And the first 15 minutes after halftime, and I'm saying it again, they got it very right. Because looking down at it from where I was looking at it, they had their six backs in position. And... Even up the field, their forwards worked a small bit harder. They got a bit of momentum after getting that goal. So, uh, from from Shane down, they worked a bit harder, and Tip had to deliver a long ball. And Nimrick were there then, and they had a small bit of physicality there after half time, but they couldn't withstand it for the for the seventy minutes. So, you know, like unless Nimrick bring that that raw intensity that for your good seventy minutes, like you're, you know, you're not going to be up up. You're not going to meet the level required to, to win championship games and big championship games with that against the big teams, the Tips and the Kilkennys. There's only so much you can say about Kilkenny Wexford five twenty five to sixteen points. I suppose what people are interested in, and we didn't see it in this game, is how Joey Holden is going to hold up at full back against the better sides, and he'll be up against Joe Canning for at least parts of the game against Galway. How can Canning exploit any perceived weakness that Holden might have, uh, having not played there much for the for the county? Yeah, well, Jonah was is hitting serious form, so he's probably um, one fifteen. Uh, he scored last last weekend, you know, um, with a two three from play. Do two weeks before that, so Joe is at the top of his game. So Joey Holden has a massive challenge. If Joey Holden comes through through this and Kilkenny are victorious in that, that will be some boost of confidence for him going into the All Ireland series. But I just think Galway. I like the way Galway are playing at the minute. A big physical team, able to play ball and can score all over the field. We see the full back line scoring, but I t- I can see. I can see quick, long ball being delivered into Joe Canning because he is very strong in the air and he'll try and take on Joey Holden in the air. I think that's the way he, he'll approach Joey Holden. Do you get that sense sometimes when you're playing against a full-back that this guy, we always hear this sort of cliche that it's a very specialist position, but do you get that sense when you're playing against a guy and you, you, you think maybe he's not quite, not that he's not up to it, but that this position mightn't suit him perfectly and I've got a chance here? Yeah, I, you do because he, he's fresh to the position. You know what I mean? At inter-county county level and he didn't, get tested against Wexford yesterday. So, like, Joe's in the form of his life, we'll say, and, you know, like, they could rotate, maybe like likes Carl Mannion in there with pace, or Jason Flynn, I'm sure, will be back with pace. So, if they want to take him on with pace, they've those two guys um, to take Joey on to run him around. But if they, I'd say they go direct route, long ball in, um, Joe Canning can win it in the air, and once you've primary possession in your hand, it's, um, you know, that that's Winter county a top inter-county forward wants prime possession in his hand, and, if, you, if Joe kind of gets in his hand, no different than Bubbles, these guys, he'll do the right thing with it. Like, so I can see quick ball uh, being bombarded in at the start of that game to actually take on Joey Holden to really test him out. And you know, if you were Anthony Cunningham, you'd have a plan B as well. If that doesn't work, that one or two of your pace here guys might go in, have a two-man for forward lane and move it around a bit. So you know, it'll be very interesting, but I think you're going to have a crack in Leinster final in a couple of weeks' time because Galway have really brought uh, a lot to this year's championship. Hurling wise, intensity wise, and look, no, who, who know about we, we all know about Kilkenny, so it's, it's going to be an intriguing battle. Oh, brilliant stuff! Thank you. Thanks, guys. Shane Curran with the kick out. The forty-two-year-old goalkeeper. 
hurled it out from goal. Here he comes. He topped it. He fought it. He's 50 yards out from goal. What a day for us coming. All the mother niggas lame and you know it now. When the real nigga hold you down, you're supposed to drown. Bam. 1944 is the last time a senior child can come out of here. And the one, 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 be the last one. Bam. Leave a pretty girl sad reputation. Start a fight club, bad reputation. I asked the question. Does anybody deserve to lose a dollar in club final? Give me a tech 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 if you know the answer. It'll be heartbreak on either side. Imagine being eight up. Imagine coming from eight down. Shane Curran has been lifted by an umpire. The sub goalie. Two castle barmen and a British man. I can't see Curran continuing. It could be his last race out of bowl. Just to wrap up the weekend's hurting Murph, the draw for the for the qualifiers. Yeah, there was always the gonna be yeah, there's always gonna be one really tasty game. Uh and that's Wexford Cork. So that's gonna be on uh Sky Sports on uh Saturday week. It's Leash against Dublin, is the draw, Westmeath against Limerick, Clare against Offaly, and uh yeah, Wexford against Cork. So it's Dublin probably couldn't have done a whole lot better than that. They're probably happy enough with that. Um, it's uh, amazing though a draw like Cork for Wexford their season could be dead before it even gets going and there was a certain amount of confidence based on what they did last year we were talking Owen Kelly was in studio this last Thursday he was quite disappointed with how Wexford had handled uh, a player being out he, he, he felt there's issues like this in all camps and yet the player in the case of Wexford, gets uh, gets dropped from the squad, which is exactly what you don't need coming up to Kilkenny. They wouldn't have beaten Kilkenny anyway, let's be honest about it, but you don't want to take a hammering like that and then have to face Cork, who are yeah. a little bit of a streaky side, but could could unload against Wexford. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that game is on July the 4th. Sorry, I just didn't have the date in front of me there, but mm. that, that qualifier between Wexford and Cork on Sky Sports on July the 4th. I, yeah, I mean, but that's that's the nature of it. I mean, when you're a Leinster team that's, that goes into the qualifiers, you know there's going to be three really good teams from Munster that have been knocked out between the start of the Munster Championship and the Munster Final. So, yeah. you know, that that's that's unfortunately the nature of the beast. And there is, at least, this is it now. You know, they, like there's, they, there is no further hiding place. There is no uh, way of feeling your way into the Championship. You've got to go and you've got to try and beat Cork and that's just the way, that's just the way it is. We've got an Irish Times Second Captain's Football pod- Podcast out today. That's yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. You can walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'm going to need it there. I'd say it to your face. I'll say it to you now. I want down Swanfield and we'll see them. What you doing down here, you surely man? So we're going to hear from the Copper America, where Brazil have squeaked through. Um, I was a little surprised to see just who their best player was on uh, last night when they were playing uh, Venezuela in their last group game. Rubinho. <laughs> uh, back playing for Santos and now back playing for Brazil. And uh, Dunga had gotten quite a bit of uh, stick for bringing him into the squad for this year's Copa America. But it uh, turns out in the absence of Neymar, uh, Rubinho actually did a pretty good job. Felipe Coutinho also started for Brazil. So we'll check in there. And then also we're going to touch on some heartbreak uh, um, yeah, we're going to be talking quite a bit about our uh, our uh, performance the second captain's performance at the uh, UNHCR Sari 
Sport Against Racism uh, football fair, tournament. Fair play cup, yeah. Yeah. For World Refugee Day. Um, you say second captains. Uh, I'd describe it more as Richie Sadler plus six. Richie Sadler and literally could have been anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it turns out, anyway, you know, that uh, uh, ex-professional footballers are extremely good at football. <laughs> we found that out yesterday. Yep. Uh, Richie... And extremely uh, patient with their teammates. Oh, I well, I, I think maybe that, that might just be Richie. But uh, Richie took us all on our... Um, took us all on those broad shoulders of his and carried us all the way to a quarterfinal penalty shootout defeat. The exact... You know, identity of who misses a penalty. I mean, I, I don't really think that that's important. I don't think our listeners really want to know who, who missed or didn't miss or anything like that. Let's just say that the team performed admirably. Sure, yeah. And Richie... No, we'll hide the rest of it for now. Although I can't... I've got to say, the spine of the team... We you've, When you've got an XGA goalkeeper... I say X, I mean, you know, he's still... Hmm. It's it's near enough, the career. Shane Curran, incredible performance goals. But listen, we'll get to all of that in our football podcast a little bit later on. You can follow us on Twitter at Second Captains, Facebook.com forward slash Second Captains. Send us an email, secondcaptains at irishtimes.com. Our, email, our website is secondcaptains.com. Murph's Bebo page is still active. It just doesn't, can't <laughs> quite bring himself to close it down. I think it, it may actually, just be. It may have been reactivated. That's okay. I got to get on that. Thanks yeah. for listening to this one. And uh, we will thank you, Kieran. Thank you, Owen. And we'll talk to you later on. Take care. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.